Come and dream with me. Hello, welcome to Body Wanna Watch the Explosion Network's premier media podcast. Every week we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content and help you answer the question if Christopher Nolan loves the Fast and Furious films, does that make him peak cinema? I think so. I'll be host Ash Hudley. Join me today, Dylan Blight. It's just nice to know that he's a man of taste, you know. <laughs> you know, he is uh, a man who loves family. Yeah. Do you reckon that? Now that we know that he's a big Fast and Furious fan, do you think there's a chance he's listened to It's About Family? There is a chance, because it's definitely one of the, the most popular Fast and Furious podcasts ever. So. But I don't know if you listen to podcasts. That's the only thing I'd like. If we find that out, then we yeah. can be sure. So, people, while he's still on the press tour in the lead-up to the Oscars, ask if you listen to podcasts, please. Hmm. Yeah. We need to know. Uh, on today's episode, we'll be talking about watching our watch history, going over some film news, giving some thumbs to the trailers, and going over this week's top three uh, light week on the watch history. <laughs> uh, busy week, haven't watched much. No, and we kind of suspected that because there was nothing coming out in the cinemas this week that we particularly wanted to watch. Uh, but Dylan, you rewatched The Marvels, which just released on Disney Plus. I did. I enjoyed it still. I still think like the villains are let down and everything else like that, but like in a world where Marvel in general, I think their films like the last twelve months or eighteen two years whatever been pretty uh, mixed bag. I think most of what's in that is good, like or at least has the potential to be good. Like that first fight scene again, rewatching it, where it's just like bouncing around a lot between the locations. That is probably one of the best, most inventive fight scenes I've done in so many years. Um, and yeah, we've talked about how Aman's like such a, a big f- fresh air for the franchise and whatever else. And then even by you get to the end and she like goes and finds Kit Bishop, um, like that's <laughs> exciting. Like just seeing like that, that is the, the current where I'm feeling, what do I get excited about for Marvel? I would say the young Avengers side of stuff is currently what's doing it for me, I guess. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so on Disney Plus, I watched a small limited series, I guess, uh, called Science Fair. It originally went on National Geographic over in the States, uh, which follows a bunch of teenagers preparing for the International Science and Engineering Fair. Um, so it's an interesting look at this subset of kids who are really devoted to science. And this going to this International Science Fair is like, a massive deal it's like uh obviously there's cash prizes and that kind of stuff but like obviously uh if you're a participant you you know it increases your odds of going to the college of your choice um and you know because a lot of uh colleges go there to scout potential students for different research grants and that kind of stuff uh so like it follows a bunch of different students from different places around the world there's a kid from zimbabwe whose project is about making uh, a different type of fuel based on uh, reed plants instead of uh, sugarcane for ethanol. Um, you've got some kids in Puerto Rico who are working on a project that like detects if a wound uh, is, is it has increased chance of uh, infection and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then you've got this program at a school called 
uh, I think it's Jericho College in New Jersey. It's like really hardcore class um, who, you know, all devoted to science and like the teacher is like super uh, invested in getting these kids to ISIF and that kind of stuff. Really interesting documentary. Uh, also inspiring just seeing all these kids like super invested in these scientific endeavors and like uh, in, in a wide range of different categories as like one kid who's like doing a bunch of research into teen suicide um, rates and that kind of stuff and like how to prevention and that kind of thing. Um, but her issue is like, she's super, she's got a really smiley personality. <laughs> she's, so she's talking to presenters with a big smile on her face, super excited about her research, but she's talking about teen suicide. So it's kind of, uh, she just can't help herself. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. There's like, of course, like heartbreaking moments of these kids realizing they're not going to go <laughs> to ISF. Uh, it is really bad because like, it's only like the first place people in some of these competitions who get to go. So this kid has gone second place amongst all these other children, but he's on the verge of tears because he can't go to the big international science fair. Um, only one winner. <laughs> only learn. one place. It's you know? One winner and 16 losers, kid. No, it's true. Not everybody get. There's not participation room for everybody. Um, but yeah, really inspiring and you know, that all these kids are kind of tackling these scientific endeavors in different ways and like trying to better our future a uh, bunch of like cool ideas and like exploration of different stuff so th- only three episodes long uh definitely recommend checking that out um all right so dylan you watch actor awards yes i watched the full actor awards first time it was uh, uh shown on normal australian television like streamed for access easy access um it was a very good show i enjoyed it um it's just obviously the australian um film and tv awards they didn't do them all on here they did the technical awards uh the night before they gave a shout out like in some clips you know quickly like hey you missed these or whatever else um but uh rebel wilson hosted it she was quite good um everyone else that came on the stage was either funny or heartfelt like there was a, a big heartfelt moment for um, I can't remember his name, but uh, Jacques from MasterChef. Obviously, he died the last uh, mm. in the last year, um, so they won for best uh, reality show. And his wife was up there um, co-accepting the award with the the rest of the people. So that was a heartfelt moment. Um, and some funny stuff. I uh, come from accounts won a couple of times. That was very good. Um, the the stars of that, which of yeah, they married in real life, and they were also nominated in the same category together. So they made a funny bit about that and then tom gleason also did a quite funny bit where he did the uh he did the best comedy actor award like for the 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 readout and it's like uh i think it was like whatever it was like five girls and one guy and (laughs) and he goes (laughs) hey good luck to you and he starts reading it out he's like i just say i appreciate you know just shout out to men and he's like and then he does a bit where he's like i watch barbie don't know what the message was please be a man please be a man please be a man <laughs> so there was quite a uh, a few funny uh bits in there. Margot Robbie was there. Um she got like a come Trailblazer like, award, I believe. Yeah, it's like a honorary like sort of award. Um she also won best uh actress for for Barbie. Um a little bit biased the actor. <laughs> yeah, I know. But... Actor voting board. I don't know if you people <laughs> yeah. have noticed that. Like anytime they've got the International Actor Awards, there's always at least one yeah. Australian in every category. Uh, Kate you know. Blanchett did her introduction in this big dress-up piece with a bow and called herself, I can't remember, like... Middle-aged Barbie. Middle-aged Barbie, which is quite good. Um, that was 
that was a good part um raka raka when they won best directors just kept swearing accidentally and i'd walk up to the, the mic and i shared the clip on the social network twitter uh instagram it was quite funny just them coming up hey they're like everyone else is in suits and uh dresses one of they're just like t-shirts <laughs> like, just, just come up and they're like so i just want to say oh fuck and he's like shit and then it switches off and he's like oh no i'll do it i'll do it oh shit no no you do it no fuck <laughs> it was, yeah so it was, uh, that was just very wholesome to see them win that and then they won um talk to me one best film as well um luckily they didn't do the speech for that one they just <laughs> left it to the, <laughs> left uh, to the producer. yeah i can't remember her name but causeway films um that she i feel like it starts with jay but um she did the the speech for that and just spoke about like the how great it has been with the cast and everyone working there and the success and like how great it has been for Australian films to see that do so well and stuff. So um, really good show. I really enjoyed it. It was good, a good award show to watch, I think. All right. So now I'm going to talk about some anime. Uh, you know, I don't even been talking about much so far. So I don't know if you do need a rest, but you can take a rest. Um, I've been watching Mashal Magic and Muscles. <laughs> so this is an... Uh, anime set in like a magical world where everybody's got magical abilities uh and people who don't have magic are kind of segregated and treated lesser than and that kind of stuff um so this man has been raising this child called mashal in the like the forest uh and to ensure that he can survive in a world full of magic he's been training to improve his muscles uh so he ends up becoming like super 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 ridiculously strong um and uh after he has been revealed to be not a magic user uh he gets blackmailed into joining a school a magic school <laughs> uh so he can become a you know uh the top student and make a bunch of money so the blackmailer can get all the money it's a very weird setup uh but it pretty much a person who doesn't have magic is sent to a magic school which is very much a satire of another magical property with a school um you know uh and how he uses his incredible strength to mask his inability to uh perform magic it's fun it's ridiculous at times uh there is a lesson where they're all trying to learn how to fly their brooms uh and you know obviously he can't use magic to fly a broom so what he does is he throws the broom really fast and he jumps even faster, lands on the broom, and it looks like he flew a certain distance because of... <laughs> I mean, it gets more ridiculous than that. Uh, it's, it's very funny satire. It does... It's very enjoyable at the beginning. It then turns into every kid at the school wants to get into duels. Uh, so then it just becomes a bunch of fight scenes, which is an interesting... You know, it was, it was a little bit more fun when it was just like satire on the idea of a magical school um but you know it's dumb fun uh and you know nobody involved as far as more is super trend perfect so you know it's it's property we can all watch uh then i've also been watching uh an anime called shangri-la frontier so this <laughs> another silly concept uh anime uh so it's set in a world in which uh highly advanced vr technologies there so lots of people go into video games with like you know completely like it's another real world um so this this gamer who goes by the gamer tag sun raku 
who prefers to play shitty video games. That's his thing. He likes to play conquer trash video games uh, because they're filled with bugs and much harder to like conquer because they, you know because they're shitty. Um, but he gets talked into playing like the number one uh, video game in the world, Shangri La, uh, and because of his uh, skills from playing shitty video games, he is even credibly skilled in this video game to start off with because he's able to detect hitboxes and stuff that better and that kind of stuff. Ridiculous, uh, you know, video game kind of fun, uh, you know, bunch of side quests, really interesting worlds. Yeah, it's a good time. So those are two animes we've been watching and we'll check, recommend checking out. All right, let's move into the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. Uh, and I watched Orion in the Dark, which is the Charlie Kaufman written uh, anima- children animated film about a kid who uh, is afraid of everything and gets visited by the dark, the embodiment of the dark to, uh, you know, try and help him overcome all his fears. Uh, it's pretty good, you know. It is a Charlie Kaufman film. <laughs> it's written a Charlie Kaufman way. It's very meta. There's like layers of storytelling to it. Uh, it's also with I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know exactly who the target audience for this film is. Whether I whether it is I think it's a film for parents and children to watch together and the parents get a lot of the references and jokes and meaning of the thing and probably get more out of it than the kids and the kids will just watch it because it's the a story of a, you know, animated story, you know. Um but there's kids a lot are idiots of- and they'll watch anything that's animated. That's <laughs> true. Uh but you know, it it's quite am- very amusing. I mean, the thing that got me the laugh the most is uh so during the night there's like a bunch of embodiments of other elements like uh so there's dark obviously, but then there's an embodiment of sweet dreams. There's uh sleep, uh unexplained noises, insomnia and quiet. Uh and sleep the uh, Orion watches sleep go about her business every night. <laughs> she she pulls she's uh pulls out of her like cap like a pillow and like smothers someone to sleep, <laughs> and she pulls out like <laughs> pulls out some chloroform and puts somebody to sleep. And then there's a scene of her looking over a baby. She pulls out a sleep hammer. It's very kid friendly. <laughs> it's it's very kid friendly, is what I'm saying. Uh, but then there's this like element. That there's also halfway like I don't know maybe a quarter the way through it reveals there's a framing device of it. The story is being told by a father to a daughter and using the story of Orion to like try and help her overcome her fears of, uh, you know, of the dark and one, uh, trying to get to sleep and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then, and then it kind of becomes a story about storytelling and like, uh, of telling children's stories and like what, works for children's stories and what elements are important in that kind of stuff yeah very late surprisingly layered um i mean it's not the most beautiful animated film i don't like a lot of the character models are like fine you know a lot of like the landscapes and that kind of stuff like there's a lot of imagery of like the dark going across like a light sky and that looks really cool um but i don't think it's like the most visually impressive but i think you know it really works for what it wants to do and what it wants to be. 
Um, really interesting film. So I would recommend checking that out, whether you have children or not. Okay. We're all a child once. Uh, and then the other thing I watched on Netflix this week was Lover, Stalker, Killer, which apparently is like the number one film on Netflix at the moment. Uh, it was a documentary. It's about a divorced mechanic who tries online dating in this small town, Nebraska. Uh, he meets a woman. He's like, uh, you know, I'm not really looking to be tied down. I want to, you know, just want something casual, you know, want to, you know, not want to be exclusive or anything. Uh, so then he meets another woman. Uh, and then she start after saying, after she says she wants to move in with him, uh, he starts getting harassed by her. Like terrible. She breaks up, starts sending a ton- bunch of terrible threatening messages. Uh, she starts, uh, you know, Texting him, like, his location where he's at, at all the time. Uh, starts making threats against the other woman that he w- was dating and that kind of stuff. Uh, starts keying his car and it kind of escalates from that and becomes, like, a much bigger uh, story. Um, interesting documentary. I think, again, this is one of those documentaries where, like, oh, I can kind of see where the twist is of this uh, documentary and what will make it, you know, a story worth telling. You know, I think... You know, especially when it's a real life story, you can probably just look up who's who's behind it, all the people. But uh, you know, it's framed fine, I guess. If you're if you're not looking to figure out what the story is, I think it probably works as a twist. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, interesting story, interesting characters. Uh, a lot of the detectives clearly invested in trying to figure out the mystery of the story and that kind of stuff, and like they have to go hard to try and get justice for this family and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I can understand why this kind of, you know, hit, uh, you know, kind of, it's kind of an odd story. So yes, check that out on Netflix. Uh, and Dylan, you, you like me have started watching the eighth season of Queer Eye. It's crazy. Eight seasons. I know. It doesn't feel like eight seasons to be honest, but I don't know. Maybe they just like, you just watch it, you know, just put, it's become part of life. I don't really think of it. Yeah seasonal structure of the show um i I want two two yes yeah um still good uh the 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 first one they usually start on like i feel like a light one every season but this one that has a a dude like you know they start with a a crying episode so like a a big breakdown sort of thing and then the second one was um was really good as well this dude who's like looking after his brother who's been in a, a massive accident and He's been carrying him for ages and mm-hmm. he's obsessed with Kiss and that was quite funny. But um, yeah, so yeah, but I mean, it's not really, it's still Queer Eye, it's still good. I don't, the, the formula hasn't changed at all. It should be, this I believe is the last uh, season with Bobby because he's not, yeah. um, he hasn't signed back on. Um, no. But yeah, like two episodes he's, in, he's, still good. He's tired of carrying the rest of the team. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. I watched episode three. Um, and spoilers, I guess, for you. You know, he has to, he has to uh, uh, renovate a uh, hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans sweet shop. Right. <laughs> so you know, and Karamo, he's like, "Hey, I'm going to take you to a building for a surprise party." That's 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 my that's my bit this week. <laughs> <laughs> Some weeks it is like. 
<laughs> fuck, what do I do? <laughs> you know, I guess that, I guess that, you know, that's helpful for Bobby. He's like, I guess I'm going to do a bunch of work. You know, this week it's going to be definitely a bunch of, you know, stuff and contractors and that kind of stuff. You know what you're going to do. Mm. Tan is like, kind of just buy a bunch of clothes. Everybody else is like, kind of <laughs> in the weeds. You know, what's it going to be mm. this week? Mm. Person's bold. Fuck. <laughs> They've got facial hair. JVN's like, fuck. What am I supposed to do? Uh, All right. Uh, That's everything in a watch history. Let's move into a little bit of film news. Um, This was an interesting one. So obviously sometime last year, it had been rumored that Netflix was looking into a potential US remake of the mega hit Squid Game. Uh, And Jeff Snow at the time, uh, reported that Dave Fincher was uh, desperately appro- wanted to tackle the project. Uh, it's now been revealed that apparently David Fincher has been quietly working on the project and it's most likely going to happen. Cool, I hate it. I, of all the people who could potentially tackle a remake of Squid Game, I mean, Fincher is an interesting choice. Yeah, no, it's not like... And he would like- make it different something different yeah i like david fincher and all but i'm like squid game literally came out two years ago and it was a massive yeah. global phenomenon it's not like you, you can even argue that well i'm trying to bring it to a new a new uh to out to an international audience you know to american eyes everyone everyone watched it it's it was massive worldwide it wasn't just massive in an, um, one country or two country you know so it just seems a bit pointless i mean yes <laughs> It's absolutely, absolutely, to a certain extent, a money grab. It's like, hey, everybody loves the Jap- the Korean version. Let's mm. do an American version, and then we can get double the audience. Yeah, you know? Everyone loves a thing. Let's just do it again. Let's do a thing, except they don't have to read this time. Uh, you know, I mean, they've already cashed in on the 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 TV reality series with the playing all the games. Um, so yeah. I think it's interesting because obviously Fincher tackling it would potentially go in a much darker, grimier <laughs> direction where it's maybe the reality games, the games involved are not as fun and quirky, you know? Squid Game is actually sore. <laughs> you know? I, I feel like the games is like the least, like, it's like, whatever. It's just the, the general message around the show and... But which uh, you know what? Fuck it, I changed my mind. No one understands the message of the show, anyways. Who cares? Whatever, yeah. remake it. You know, whatever. They don't understand it because it's not an American context. You know, <sighs> it's like we're pulling people who have can't pay for their medical bills, uh, because there's no healthcare in America, into playing in these Squid Games. <laughs> or it just turns out that the 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 guy running it is Mr. Beast the entire time. Yeah. yeah, but th- that's the thing. I feel like in within the confines of America, they'll just, like or to most people, is that thing of like they'll make the show and it'll, it'll they'll turn it into like man. The the message won't be the, the twist is the, the American twist is it isn't actually a secret. It's like a just a it's fully just a funded thing. thing. It's a known thing. Yeah, well, it probably would be, and it would probably would be run by someone like Mr. Beast. But the the thing is also that is just weird to me is that I feel like most people take it in a way of man, I really wish something like this existed because I need this. Not, man, the fact that something like this needs to exist says a lot about society. You know what I mean? Like, it's just yep. the... 
that's and that's the problem so yeah but i think fincher could tackle that in an interesting way possibly i still think it's dumb i'm gonna stand yeah. by it's dumb to remake it. anything well i mean the fact that a ton of people like misread the killer and like it's like because he's a complete idiot the entire time yeah and they're like this movie's dumb it doesn't make sense he's a fucking idiot like but it's like yes (laughs) (laughs) well done and the number of people who glorify fight club and that kind of stuff you know this actually makes a lot of sense yeah when you look at it you know fight club Uh, fight club's like bro dude's favorite movie even though that's not the point it's about the terribleness of toxic masculinity yep yeah so and toxic masculine masculine males love it so yeah uh update on the coyote versus acme story uh and it looks like it's not going to have a happy ending uh, of course roman <laughs> no coyote versus acme right coyote gotcha sorry. coyote yeah sorry you pronounced my words better yeah. uh so reading from slash film Remember that brief moment in November 2023 where we all thought Warner Brothers wasn't led by a soulless money-hungry ghoul, but by human beings who could see reason allow Cody vs. Acme to be shopped to other studios rather than delete it from existence? Well, that didn't last long. In a damning report by The Wrap, <laughs> it appears that David Baslav, head of Warner Brothers Discovery and the eternal enemy of Animaniacs, has reversed course and decided no one should ever watch the film, uh, even if other studios were willing to pay money for it. As producer Chris Tafara told the rap, they just want to get this behind them, referring to what he heard from a Warner Brothers executive in early January. They want to close the books. According to what the rap, Warner Brothers won't even announce that they were unable to find a home for the film. Instead, they were unceremoniously deleted, never to be seen again. Uh, of course, the thing is, there were plenty of offers for the film. Uh, Netflix, Amazon, and Paramount all reportedly offered to buy the film. Paramount even proposed a theatrical release. Warner Brothers rejected each of them. According to the report, Warner Brothers, who was set to make about $40 million from the tax write-off on Cody vs. Acme, sought to not only make more than that, but insisted on covering negative cost plus whatever fees they incurred. The asking price was then about $75 to $80 million from potential buyer, without the chance for a counter-offer. Yeah, pretty... He's an evil, Best evil up, man, fucked up. and I yeah. hope um, he loses everything and has to work in Walmart as the head of trolleys. I mean, that's pretty pretty mean to the head of trolleys at Walmart. I you know, wouldn't want to inflict David Vassler. <laughs> that's a good point. I change. I, I I hope he's con- uh, put to the the lowest form of trolley collector. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's just clearly a very disappointing story uh, with a very, what seems to be a very disappointing conclusion unless v- Vaslev has a massive change of heart or he dies or is removed from his role and somebody with a conscience uh, is put into the decision. Um, it's crazy that they don't think that this movie could potentially make more than $40 million is over the course of its run. I mean... Especially with the fanfare and the the word of mouth around it, at this stage, everybody in the film industry, I think, has heard about this movie and would go see it. I think, based on a lot of the people who actually have seen it, I think I saw a tweet from the Daniels today saying, "Oh, this I saw the movie; it's fantastic. Uh, really works uh, in every regard. Even hit the emotional ending even hits harder now with it 
you know, they're potentially going to shut the movie down. Just release it. May pretend this was all the massive marketing campaign. Um, and you continue to see positive remarks from Elva, you know, inside people who have been able to see a cut of the film. Uh, that, you know, it is disappointing that they've decided this clearly needs to be a loophole that gets shut down that, you know, you can just write off a finished movie uh, for a tax break, you know. It I is kind of ridiculous, you know. Basically finished as well, so. Yeah, I think it is definitely something they need to look into, like, uh, because, you know, it seems like bullshit. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, um, as se- several people pointed out, like, people rely on getting credits for that to, like, maintain their visas jobs and stuff as well yeah um yeah even if it was i don't know how much the movie actually cost to make uh but you know even if you had just released even i reckon if you released it on premium video on demands you know it would have made more than 40 million dollars i think at this stage it definitely will because at this stage with all the talk around it there's so much public interest around the movie, like yeah. So now it's hard it to imagine not making. Yeah, and it wasn't like it was a bunch of no names, or it was like completely, you know, completely animated movie. You had like Will Forte and John Cena and a whole bunch of other people, known actors who would have gone press yeah. and like John Cena uh, is a big carry, so big enough carry to yeah. you know get this movie over the line. So uh, very disappointing. Uh, hopefully somebody's got it on a hard drive somewhere, <laughs> you know. And Batgirl. Hopefully, well, you know, we know that Batgirl has been deleted. You know? yeah. Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but if someone can find those hard drives and like do yeah. some sort of data recovery, yeah. maybe one day. I'll tell you what uh, it does. It just makes you not want to get excited about any announced Warner Brothers thing ever. I mean, the question is, like, what is the impact? Like, it's interesting that on the back of this, like, this today, like, uh, Margot Robbie's company is, like, her production company has signed a, like, first look deal with Warner Brothers. Uh, of course, we had the exclu- the contract with Tom Cruise uh, a few weeks back with him signing a deal with Warner Brothers. Like, why would you want to get into <laughs> with Warner Brothers at this point, you know? I guess unless you believe you, which Tom... Unless you believe it will never happen to you, which is a mistake. (laughs) Yes and no. I feel like... When you you see that these people are willing to take the tax break, if it's on offer, if they think that's a better option, Mm. you know? People would take to the streets if they did that to Margot Robbie, though. I know, it just depends on the project. Well, I guess if she actually came out and said, this fucked up, fuck Warriors. <laughs> After all, all I've done for them. Uh, yeah, I could definitely say that. Yeah. But yeah, this is a very sad situation. This is an interesting one and probably a good positive, more positive story to come out of uh, this week. Following the success of Predator sequel Prey, or Predator prequel Prey, and they've uh, described it correctly, rather than, you know, you being upset about it being called a spin-off last week. Uh, Predator prequel. Writer-director Dan Trachtenberg is rolling out a whole new Predator franchise at 20th Century Studios. As first reported by The Hollywood Reporter, Trachtenberg is set to helm Badlands, a new Predator storyline set in the future featuring, featuring a female lead 
Additionally, 20th Century Studios is reportedly planning a slew of Predator franchise projects with Trachtenberg overseeing. Uh, Trachtenberg and Patrick Eisen were behind the story for Badlands, with Eisen penning the screenplay. Trachtenberg will direct. Uh, are you interested in a Predator uh, film set in the future? <laughs> I'm interested in all Predator films if they are good. And this, <laughs> I think that depends on how they take the success of Prey, because Prey's success is it, you don't make a Predator, you don't follow a Predator film template. It's, hey, here's an engaging setting. Here's some um, engaging characters that um, have a, here's a main lead who has a, a very, um, under, like an, a, a straightforward arc to become like a overcome. And the Predator is both a representation of what she's struggling to overcome in her life and also a literal thing she has to overcome during the during the film mm-hmm. that's the secret right you keep it simple you put the predator in you can do a million of these they're always be exciting with different characters locations whatever time periods that's the secret you don't you don't like set out to make a predator film yeah you just add the predator to a situation <laughs> yeah i think so um yeah, I mean, it's interesting, like, uh, you know, as a long-time Dan Trachtenberg fan, before he got big, before he got, when he was back doing the Totally Rad show, I mean, it's really cool to see him attached to a big franchise, but he has been attached to big franchises in the past, uh, and he's been, you know, screwed up, <laughs> you know. He was set to direct Uncharted and other projects in the past, so um, hopefully this one actually comes to fruition, this one actually gets released in cinemas. I think, you know, mm-hmm. that would be a different take. I don't know if they've exclusively said this is going to be a cinema thing, or maybe it's going to be. They're like, this was really successful on Hulu. Let's keep making movies for streaming with The Predator. I don't think that's probably likely to be their plan going forward. Uh, I would hope to see this on a big screen. Um, so, yeah. Interesting that they're talking about, like, a franchise of Predator films. I mean, that's just, you know, hopeful optimism probably more than anything else. Um, but, you know, maybe Predator becomes a big franchise again on the back of this. Who knows? Uh, interesting that they're also it's also, well, at this stage called Badlands, and it's actually not like a title related to Predator in any way. Uh, whether, like, oh, we'll just back the franchise to be known enough to that people will know that it's a Predator movie, you know, even if Predator is not in the title. Yeah, well, work for Prey. Cut to 12 months from now, Badlands, a Predator film. Yep. I hate it. (laughs) All right. Uh, So this was interesting. Uh, So last week it was rumored that David Leach was set to be directing the new Jurassic World film. Uh, and then only a few days later, uh, it was revealed that he had dropped out. Uh, so reading from the Hollywood Reporter's they heat region, locusts. <laughs> he didn't want to do any locust related. Like I'm out. <laughs> no, he said. So I'm reading from Heat Vision by the Hollywood Reporter. They say what happens. Part of the problem is that Universal is so far along in the project that Leach would uh, essentially have been more of a shooter than someone who would have been put his stamp on the film. There's not enough time to work with new ideas, one source told, told them, uh, which was said to have a script by David Corp and an ambitious July, 20, July 2nd, 2025 release date. 
According to another source, the producers have already done some of the dino design work and soft prep on the movie. But what we but we can see why the film was attractive to someone like Leech in the first place. It was going to lean into the action ter- territory. One source described it as having an escape from New York vibe, but a universal insider said that was not true. Well, what about the idea of weaponized dinosaurs? The insider said no. Either way, Universal is looking for a new director as soon as possible. Uh, yeah, there's interesting tidbits there about, you know, obviously super ambitious to think that you're going to have not shot this movie and going to release it in, what, 18 months' time? Uh, that's getting delayed. There's no chance. Mm-hmm. For a Jurassic World movie where there's a ton of CGI, unless you were like... they got AI working on it, don't worry. Well, yeah, that or you're crunching a bunch of CGI visual effects people. Um, how would you feel about a more action orientated Jurassic World film? No. I would like Jurassic Park World films to be thrillers. Mm. You can have some action in them, but. I just don't understand how, if you ask anyone to like name a scene from Jurassic Park, it's either going to be something to do with a tense scene with velociraptors, like hiding from them or something like that, or it's going to be the T-Rex scene. I just don't feel like it's like, they're the two classic scenes. That's the core of the franchise. Yeah. And then you've got other ends of it, like the the touching, you know, the more like, oh my God, like the... The, the wonder of scene. dinosaurs. The, the wonder of dinosaurs. Yeah. yeah, and that's around it, but like, at it, like it, there's the wonder of dinosaurs, and then there's the, the, the horror of dinosaurs, right? There's no... Yeah. yeah. I mean, it could be interesting. I mean, if, if again, if they kind of expand on the world set up in Jurassic World, you know, where dinosaurs are released in the wild and living amongst humans and like you know, trying to coexist like that would be an interesting setup for an action movie but you know the the fact that a director is not heavily you know involved in the creation of the process doesn't bode well in my opinion uh but it's probably you know has more to do with like the state of the industry at the moment like we've got an idea for a franchise we need to put a movie out you know uh we'll just get somebody to direct it you know, it'll probably be something like I don't know uh, who did Fast Ten. He'll come back and do, he'll come to shoot this movie. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, interesting news this week: Moana is returning to the big screen. Disney on February seventh announced the surprise release of Moana Two, a sequel to the twenty sixteen animated classic. The film will, will open wide in theaters November twenty seventh. It's an animated feature and is separate from the live-action Moana film starring the original animated star Dwayne Johnson that remains in the works for a summer 2025 release. Uh, Bob Iger announced the news on NBC, CNBC ahead of the company's earnings call on Wednesday. Uh, per an official Disney release, Moana 2 is another animated musical that takes place on an expansive new voyage with Moana, Maui, and a brand new crew of unlikely seafarers after receiving an unexpected call from her wife, Finding ancestors, Moana must journey to the far seas of Oceania and into long-lost borders for an adventure unlike anything she's faced, according to the official synopsis. Uh, the film is directed by Dave Derrick Jr. with music by Grammy winners Abigail Barlow and Emmy, Emily Bear, uh, Grammy nominee Apata Fawai, and three-time Grammy winner 
Mark Messina. Interestingly, uh, original songwriter Lin Manuel Lin Manuel Miranda is not coming back for the second film. Uh, and then the then. <laughs> the other interesting thing, obviously, it's uh, this was set to be a Disney Plus series and has now kind of been reworked into a feature film. Uh, with all that information, how do you feel about a Moana two? I think it's we're in a, a messy world where I just think well I think it's messy that you're getting animated sequels to original and live action remakes within a couple of years of each other of the first one that is a weird with the situation. same cast and all these things it's just it's a lot I mean the other wrinkle to this is that uh, what was it uh, Moana also remains a mega hit on streaming. Though at seven years old, Nielsen reported that Moana was by mile the number one most streamed movie of 2023, bringing in 11.6 billion viewing minutes within the year on Disney+, Plus, an all-time high among Nielsen rankings for movies. The next closest was Encanto, also on Disney+, Plus, which notched 9.7 billion minutes. So, I mean, people love Moana, and people have been watching Moana, so it makes a lot of sense to make another Moana movie. You know? Uh, and also, The Rock just turned heel, so I don't know how they're going to promote this. <laughs> <laughs> have, yeah. have, we, have we thought about that? It's it's not out until November. He's, he'll, he'll turn face by then. Yeah. Okay. You know, because the kids might be scared. You don't you think he's going to turn on Roman Reigns? <laughs> I don't know. Just saying. He'll become a hit face again? It's just him, Cody, and Seth just beating him down. Yeah, the ki- fucking kids are seeing this stuff on the internet. They're like, the guy is there. Woohoo! Uh, like, I don't want to get too inside baseball, but did you see that uh, The Rocks responded to, like, someone, you know, uh, accusing him of withholding charity money as part of using footage from the, the press conference? No. And he's like, he broke down, like, guess, listen, I'm playing a character and I turned heel, like, on Twitter. Did he really? Yeah, like explaining because he's accusing him of like some pretty despicable behavior of like hoarding charity money. Someone who doesn't um, get wrestling. No, who's someone? No, someone who's like trying to spread misinformation about people and like painting them in a bad light. So we had to like very much point by point break it down. But um, yeah, interesting. Uh, I guess the turnaround is kind of the most interesting thing that it's going to be end of this year. Uh, and only just being announced now, I guess. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll wait and see how this one develops. Last story for this week is that. Oh wait, hold on. Yeah, just I was gonna say I just yeah I just saw the video. So the guy, the guy has got the video from him being booed at the event. Yes, and said it's from for him demanding to go through for aid for Maui. But that's yeah. not what was happening at all. No, that's such that's weird, right? Like. Who is this weirdo? Anyway, continue. All right. <laughs> yes. It's got, a, it's got a Twitter note. This footage is from WrestleMania. It's yes. not connected to that at all. What yeah. the fuck? All right. Anyway, yeah. All right. I'll block this. Video. I don't know if you've been on the internet, Don, but people twist stuff for their own personal interests. I just don't trust anything I see anymore. And I think I just, I, I, I feel like, I honestly feel like I, I definitely spend less time on the internet. I still spend a, 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 a lot of time. Like on the internet, but I I definitely feel like I spend less since Elon Musk because Twitter's just shit now. You know, it's just a bunch of mm. shit. 
So it's it's less exciting because shit like that. I'm like, I don't know. There's just fake shit everywhere. I don't know. So for the first time in more than 20 years, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences has added a new category in the Oscars. Beginning with, the, beginning with the 2026 ceremony, which will honor films released in 2025, the Academy will include a category that honors the best achievement in casting, according Fuck. to The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, of course, this is the first category introduced to the Oscars since Best Animated Feature in 2022, which honored the best films of 2021. That makes it a pretty big deal. The casting directors branch of the organization was first formed in 2013. It currently has nearly 160 members. Uh, Academy CEO Bill Kramer and Academy President Jimmy Jant Yang had this to say about it in a joint statement. Casting directors play an essential role in filmmaking, and as the Academy evolves, we are proud to add casting to disciplines that we recognize and celebrate we congratulate our casting directors branch members on the exciting milestone and their commitment and diligence throughout this process uh yeah so dylan what are your thoughts on casting being being uh, honored at the academy awards going forward uh it depends how they do it i've got my own idea of how it should be done and what my like what i'd view it as if it's just you're just like it's just the same people like He's all the best actor. It's another award for best, (laughs) best. uh, Like, is it a proxy for best ensemble? Yeah, Yeah, or best ensemble, right? So, um, which sometimes best ensemble could be best casting, depending on the film and scenario and stuff like that. But if you're like, man, that film where they put Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt together, um, um, who would have guessed putting Leonardo DiCaprio (laughs) and Robert De Niro would get a good movie? Yeah, like stuff like that. I'm like, that's not like it's 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 just whatever yeah um yeah i mean it's cool i mean obviously casting is like a match of under under appreciated elements of uh you know filmmaking you know uh casting directors get a bunch of shit if something somebody's bad in something but then they rarely get the uh praise you know, praise, praise if it's good it's like one of those you know one of those disciplines that you know mm. The directors, get, the directors get all the, uh, the they get all the praise for getting the performances yeah. out of the people, not the people who cast them in those roles. Um, so yeah, I mean it's a cool addition. I think obviously it's kind of uh, you know while it's great for them, I think a lot of people are probably soured by the fact that you know there has been a long running push for stunts to be honored at the Academy Awards, and that this hasn't come before stunts. Uh, despite the massive push for that category to be added. And uh, they've been doing stunts longer soured. than Carson, I'll tell you right that. I'll tell you right now. I don't know if that's true. You know? I think that's true. Because somebody I, had to I cast those stunt true. people. No, they didn't. <laughs> they just showed up and said, I'm in the movie, deal with it. Have you seen those old I'm gonna do. I'm going to set myself on fire. <laughs> yeah, I reckon that's how that, yeah. I think that's how it happened. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think probably why this got through before stunts is because it's much easier to know who to award the the best stunts the uh, best casting to that casting director right, okay, <laughs> casting director will get the award the, with the, stunts it's who who's honored is it or is it the actual person performing the stunt no i feel like if they're gonna do it at the, the oscars it's the, the i mean that's probably what is holding things back and like then trying to figure out what's the best approach yeah although i feel like if you just got 
a bunch of people in the room and you're like, hey, should we do this? I'm sure in a few hours they could figure it out. <laughs> but I just feel like it's just an ensemble award too, right? So it's like if you give the award to someone, it's like the stunt coordinator comes up, the, the, the main stunt people come up that... I don't know. Yeah, like, I mean, it would be like visual the fight, effects. The, the person who goes up to accept the like award the... for visual effects did not do all the visual effects. Yeah, exactly. So, so, um, yeah. Hopefully, you know, stunt Academy Award will be coming in the future. Uh, but you know, now that the best casting Academy Award is coming, you know, there are so many great films that came out that should have won an Academy Award for best casting. So we're going to cover that in this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. So if it wasn't clear, this week's top three is top three films that should retroactively get the Academy Award for Best Casting. Interesting prompt. It's a very hard prompt, and I hated it. But <laughs> like, uh, I, yeah. there's way too many movies. I don't. Know so so you said you've got your own view on what casting should be. Is that reflected in your your picks for top three? I assume so. Okay. Well, what's your number three then? I've gone for a mix, right? So that's the thing. I haven't gone for... I, I, I just sort of went for three films that I think for different reasons and they're sort of very different sort of films. Number three, Breakback Bound. Casting director was A.V. Kaufman. So I think that movie, 2005, whenever it came out, huge film um, for multiple reasons. It's most prominently for the, the gay romance in that time in history. And I think casting that film and being able to find the chemistry between the two leads to work in a time like that again there's you know like 20 years later there's some controversy where they didn't cast gay men all this sort of stuff but i think at the time like being able to find that um was super important to what made that film uh highly successful and uh quote unquote controversial at the time and, and whatnot okay good choice uh, my number three is uh, Kick-Ass, of course, the uh, Matthew Vaughan-directed uh, film, uh, casting by Sarah Finn uh, and Lucinda Sison. Um, I think, you know, very well-cast film, un- kind of unknown lead in Aaron Taylor-Johnson, who does fantastic, well, Aaron Johnson at the time, Aaron Ta- uh, does a fantastic job. It's a very smart decision to put Nicolas Cage as Big Daddy and kind of, I don't know if Nick, like, I feel like at that time Nicolas Cage was in a bit of a uh, I don't know, a rut, but like a, a a valley in his career, maybe not as big as he kind of has been, his resurgence lately uh, but him as Big Daddy and then like finding Chloe Grace Moretz uh, to play Hit Girl uh, I think casting children in general is not the easiest thing to do uh, to find, you know a girl to play that role uh, was super impressive. And, you know, and then they also set the precedent of, you know, Mark Strong being the bad guy in a bunch of movies. So that's my number three. Dylan, what's your number two? My number two is uh, Dunkirk. The mm. casting was John Papsidera and Toby Whale. Um, so this is what I would view as a appropriate ensemble cast that actually isn't just grabbing a bunch of names and successfully putting big name Hollywood actors into a film and calling it a day like this from top to bottom with so many like small parts and stuff. I mean, you've got like Kenneth Ranner and, um, uh, uh, fucking 
what's his name? Bain? Tom Hardy. Jesus Christ. So like sort of you got a couple of big names, but they're so spread apart. And like they they mm. they never share scenes together. It's it's just sort of carried by the house. But like everyone the main characters in this all nobodies. Uh you've then got uh the at the time what people believe was like stunt casting of um Harry, whatever, you know. Sorry, um, stars. Uh, stars, yeah for that and whatever else but yeah this would be my sort of idea of like what's a actual like major ensemble cast bunch of different characters uh, and this would be it you know mostly unknowns i feel uh all right well my number three my number two i feel like is probably a bit stunt cast (laughs) (laughs) grand budapest hotel Okay, so he cast everyone that he's friends with and he's done with everybody he's friends with. So what did the casting director do? He found Tony Revolt <laughs> <laughs> and put Ray Fiennes as the key character, you know? Uh yeah, and like finding the right small roles for all of uh Wes Anderson's friends. Uh casting by Douglas Bible. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but I feel like Wes Anderson probably had a heavy hand in the casting of this movie. Uh yeah, just a really good ensemble. Like, you know, getting everybody actually, you know, free at the same time. I'm sure it's not an easy task, casting wise, and convincing them to give up other projects. Like, that's an element of it as well, you know? Convincing them to actually accept the role, you know, rather than doing other things, you know, during your time frame. It's an element. So, yeah, that's my number two. Certainly an element. <laughs> What's your number one? My number one is mid 90s. The Joni oh. directed skateboarding film, uh, casting by Christopher Blovet. 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 So Sonny Soljic is the the lead. Um, not found found here, but basically found as far as film. The one key, uh, the one big person in it is Catherine Watterson, uh, which is sort of the we need to cast like a seasoned actor to place at the center of these kids because although Sonny is a, a, an actor wants to be an actual actor um as a kid the rest of the cast apart from alexa demi are just dudes right they're just kids they they found that hadn't acted before they basically all skateboarder kids to, to do it all so in like casting all them like trusting that you can make these people or have these people like perform in the film getting sunny and then being able to also cast Catherine watterson as the trusted adult to um on scene sort of be the the mum of the film um i think yeah that's this is a good sign of a a really well cast cast movie to me all right my number one some quentin tarantino movie with fucking a bunch of stars in it yep the lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring (laughs) no i'll allow it that's fine there's a bunch (laughs) of stars in it but at the time it's fine yeah like what ian mckellen probably the biggest star in that movie yeah, yeah. I guess you know, uh Elijah Wood, I guess, is well, remembered yeah, from a bunch time. of stuff. Not at the time. Like he'd no. been in a bunch of stuff beforehand, like he was a child star and that kind of stuff. Same mm-hmm. with Sean Aston. Um But yeah, I think across the board, uh built a fantastic cast. The choice to fi- actually bring in Vigo Mods into play Aragon, very smart decision. Bunch of actors found, like I feel Orlando Bloom is the first big thing. Kate Blanchett, this is a massive first thing and these film, this film kind of uh, put like Andy Serkis on the map as a person and as put a person. Uh, as as a <laughs> performer in the industry. Uh, so casting was by Victoria Burrows, Amy Hubbard, John Hubbard, Liz Mullane, and Anne Robinson. 
um, just a you know seminal cast, like you know, and then for him to go on to make another two films with that same group, like uh, yeah, just perfect casting and should have been recognized. All right, yeah, so that's our top three. Let's uh move into giving some thumbs to trailers. Of course, we want all the trailers about to talk about in the show notes below. Uh, kicking things off with Knuckles, uh, created by John Whittington and Toby Asher, uh, starring Idris Elba and Adam Pauly. Taking place between the events of Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic the Hedgehog 3, the series follows Knuckles the Echidna as he trains Deputy Sheriff Wade Whipple in the ways of the Echidna Warrior. Tom, what do you think of this Sonic the Hedgehog spin-off series? Uh, yeah, double double thumbs up. Looks right. Looks very funny. Um, the whole part about like the dog battling his arch nemesis and it's the mailman that got me. So I don't know, just, I, I I continue being this way. It's like it's so funny. Years ago, it was like man, this Sonic franchise in the movie, just like how much drama, and, like they, how close they were to fucking it all up. And now we've got two decent like fun movies. Uh, and this TV show that looks to to cough off and 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 be good as well. So. Um, it's such a, a weird alternate history that they could have had for this this franchise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, two thumbs up from me as well. Uh, looks like it's gonna be a fun time. Uh, you know, fun little story. It's fun to see. Like, get some more knuckles. I guess, like, potentially building him up as a character for the third movie as like a sidekick or whatever. Uh, yeah, just fun bits. And obviously, it's uh, it's cool to see. It was cool to see. Sonic and Tails, at least in this a little bit, mm. um, like you know, it's not like we pulled Knuckles completely out of the world and has been completely separate because we can't have Sonic and that kind of stuff in the mm. in the series. You know, it definitely feels a part of that world that they're building. Um, and yeah, the more Idris Elba Knuckles we can get, the better, I guess. You know, Adam Pauly is a, a really great and fantastic, so excited for him to get more work. So yeah, and then you know, it's weird. <laughs> Just the joke of the the buyers using knuckles, you know, quills in the same way that Doctor Robotnik was trying to use Sonic's quills, uh, and then Kid Cudi's like, "Who says I need your power?" And then the who is it? Uh, well, the girl. Yeah, the girl Ellie Taylor is like, "That's exactly what we're here to do." <laughs> yeah, we we're literally that's we're what literally we're trying to steal his power. Yeah. <laughs> Very amusing. All right, so Knuckles is coming to Paramount Plus on the 26th of April. Six episodes long. Next trailer is for the completely made-up adventures of Dick Turpin, uh, created by Claire Dowes, Ian Jarvis, and Stuart Lane, starring Noah Fielding, Hugh Bonneville, Asim Chandri, Tasman Grigg, Mark Heap, Ellie White, Joel Wilkinson, and Mark Wooten. Uh, Dick Turpin is a legendary British motorway robber whose success is mostly by his charm showmanship and great hair together with his gang of rogues he sets out on new adventures all while trying to escape the clutches of a thief taker tom what do you think of the trailer for completely made up adventures of dick turpin uh double thumbs up looks fantastic a bunch of people are liking it i have uh no complaints about everything i can't wait no fielding i big fan of the mighty bush and everything so uh yeah looks just it it looks weirdly like something he would like it's definitely his comedy style and everything but he's like just acting in it so i don't think he's like yeah, involved he's... any creative fashion but it definitely feels like his type of stuff 
Yeah, it, it seems like they knew that he would be... Well, he's executive producing, so maybe he was involved in some regard, but... Um, he's not the uh, you know lead uh, creative, but yeah. it feels like he could have been, is what I'm getting. Uh, yeah, those are fun times. Great, lots of fun jokes. <laughs> the the uh, girl coming up with a peppermint tea with honey. <laughs> like, I know you got a scratchy throat. <laughs> We're going to be as mean as every other gang. Uh, and then the constant jokes about Dick. And then you end us. Very funny. Because <laughs> we're all children at heart. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, so, the completely made up adventures of uh, Dick Turpin is coming to Apple TV Plus on the 1st of March. Next trailer is for The Regime, created by Will Tracy, starring Kate Winslet, Andrea Riseborough, Matthias Schonatz, Martha Plimpton, Gamal Galine, and Hugh Grant. Uh, the series depicts a year within the palace of a crumbling Arthurian regime. After not leaving the palace for quite some time, Chancellor Eline, Eleanor Vernum becomes increasingly paranoid and unstable and turns to a volatile soldier, Herbert Vubach, as an unlikely confidant. As Vubach's influence over the Chancellor grows, Elena's attempts to expand her power eventually result in the palace and country fracturing around her. Dylan, what do you think of the trailer for The Regime? Uh, double thumbs up. I'm going to assume this is one of the best TV shows of the year. I think that's a safe bet. It's probably a safe bet. Uh, the Kate Winslet's going to win another best limited best actress in a limited series. <laughs> yep, I think so. It just it's got that vibe to it, you know. And just yep. it's uh, uh, I, uh, yeah, just you know. I think it's very smart to also just set it. It's like it doesn't matter. It's like it's just a fictional. Place. It's a fictional, but clearly it's influenced by what's going on in the world. So, like you can you can do a lot without actually pushing. It's weird. It's also weird that it feels current when I believe this has been shot like over a year ago. So, hmm. uh, they've kind of been waiting for a slot to put it in. Um, yeah, Kate Winslet looks fantastic. This podcast looks really good. Just kind of the ridiculousness of some of it as well, and like her reprimanding her. her cabinet while in the bath full of ice yeah. just do, like, do do things that i'd like better and then i won't have to kill you yeah <laughs> yeah seems seems right uh so this one is coming to binge on the 4th of march uh next trailer is for manhunts created by monica boletsky uh starring tobias benzies anthony boyle lovey simon simone Matt Walsh, Brandon Glynn, Betty Gabriel, Will Harrison, Hamish Linklater, Damien O'Hare, Patton Oswalt, and Lily Taylor. After the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, his Secretary of War and friend Edwin Stanton begins the manhunt to track down John Wilkes Booth as it drives him mad. Dylan, what do you think of this sequel series to Lincoln? Um, uh, I'm gonna double thumbs up. Well, actually, no, I'm gonna one up, one down. Actually, I'm gonna be a little bit uh, like it looks good, but it's not doesn't look like anything I haven't really seen before. Like this, this story has been covered multiple times, multiple films, and stuff like that. So yeah, like it what? looks good. Uh, like isn't there literally a film that's I can't remember what it's called. It's from like the mid two thousands. Uh, 
assassination of Lincoln or no, whatever, like killing Lincoln, something like that. And then you've got Lincoln and then you've yeah. got, there's a TV show about John Wilkes, Wilkes Booth, but I can't remember that was called, that came out like a couple of years ago and that was like three episodes. Came out probably like early 2010s. Um, there's been other stuff they've covered this without focusing on it, like sub-narrative stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just like such a common, look, like it's just a very well-known piece of history, right? So what are we bringing to the table here, I guess is my my question. And hopefully, I guess, at least teased in the trailer, is a bigger focus on um making it sort of feel because ultimately this story is about a ruptured sort of ideal this is about a ruptured time in american history two very alternative uh two alt uh very different sides um and the reason john wilkes booth wants to kill lincoln is basically because he's a fucking racist not lincoln but wilkes um because he's mm uh so but we're also living it's weirdly like if the series has like a, a take on hey let's like look at the events of history but also weirdly this sort of shit could nearly happen again now i feel like that might could be an interesting way to sort of direct to the the show because you know when you look at trump and everything it's it's sort of feeling similar in america at the moment so um yeah i think the cast looks good and everything i at first i was like Patton also oswald really but you know he looks fine in the trailer um <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll, I'll go one up one then uh i'll give it two thumbs up i think it looks like a really good period piece i haven't seen like a faithfully told story of john wilkes booth like uh reading from wikipedia <laughs> like the last big one i want to say is uh the conspirator by robert redford where he was portrayed by kobe kebbell uh back in 2010 uh there was the killy lincoln telemovie uh in 2013 and then what's that tv show scene of i have no idea it's it's not listed here hmm. uh unless you're including the 2019 web television series blame the hero i don't know what that uh, is so. <laughs> although interesting to read from this article that uh james marsden played john booth john wilkes booth in a flashback cameo in zoolander in 2001 wow okay if you can all remember that. But yeah, uh, interesting time period, you know, a story that I don't feel has been told consistently. Um, and like kind of, I feel like they're kind of fleshing out the idea of there being a bigger conspiracy in behind. It is an interesting idea that this actor decided to murder the president, you know, well, the- just on a base level. <laughs> You know, he did, but I don't. I don't know. Like, depending on how much you know, I'm like, am I spoiling history? But I'm like, he's part of a larger group of people. He didn't like just yeah by himself. So, I think it looks really interesting. Uh, so this one is coming to Apple TV Plus on the 15th of March. Uh, final trailer for this week is Twisters, directed by Lee Isaac Chung, starring. Daisy Edgar Jones, Glenn Powell, Anthony Ramos, Maura Turney, Brandon Pereira, Daryl McCormick, Sasha Lane, Kiernan Shipka, and Nick Dodaney. Uh, I haven't got a really good description. <laughs> a pair of storm chasers who risk their lives in an attempt to test an experimental weather alert system. Dylan, what did you think of the trailer for Twisters? Is that really? Oh, of course it is. Well, that's um, what I read from... I watched uh, Twister for the first time like a year or two ago. So, 
sure. Like I feel like I've I feel like I've just watched a movie and a couple of years later they're like we're making a new one. So <laughs> and watching the trailer for this is very obvious. I'm like, oh yeah, like you're the you know, you're like the scientist girl character and that's the bad boy character. Like it's it's all very uh similar archetypes of the characters, I guess, to to the first film. It's very funny that they're just like there's two twisters now and that's the big <laughs> <laughs> That's the big thing, but you know what? At the same time, I'm down for a big scale. Uh, what do you call disaster this? Movie. Disaster movie. Sure, we don't really get them anymore. Um, not if you want to count like Sharknado and stuff. So, yeah. Okay, here's a better description: a former storm chaser haunted by a devastating encounter with a tornado during her college years, who now studies storm patterns on screen safely in New York City. She is lured back to the open lands by her friend Yavi, who is testing a groundbreaking new tracking system. There she crosses paths with Tyler Owen, a charming and reckless social media superstar who thrives on posting his storm-chasing adventures with his raucous crew, the more dangerous the better. As storm season intensifies, terrifying phenomena never seen before are unleashed, and Kate, Tyler, and the competing teams find themselves squarely in the past on multiple storm systems converging over central Oklahoma in the fight of their lives. That's yeah. a much more exciting description. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this looks good. I'm going to give it two thumbs up, you know. Again, disaster movies is a genre that used to dominate the box office uh, that we haven't seen in a while. This one looks good. I feel like some of the updates and, like, technological stuff and, like, there's the, the shot of him drilling his car down into the ground mm. so it doesn't get scooped up by the, the storm. That's an interesting idea. Uh, I think the... Imp- idea is they'll throw a bunch of uh drones into a twister and that would stop it i don't know if that's going to become a pop point and then we've got to stop these twisters from becoming twisters you know and you know i'm i'm only going to play our bandwagon at the moment you know i'm excited to see him and everything uh him as the bad boy storm chasing influencer that just works for me so two thumbs up excited to check it out this one is coming to cinemas on 19th of July. Let's look forward to that. Uh, Dylan, this week, what do you want to watch? God fucking damn it. For fuck's sake. How do I keep forgetting? Um, Bob Marley, One Love. Would be my pick okay. for the, the film uh, side of stuff this week. I see absolutely nothing happening in the world of television, so... I'll keep on watching True Detective, which I see some people turning on, but you're wrong. This show's still good. All right. Uh, I want to watch, and I'm spider going to watch bullshit. Madam Web. Let's see the let's see about them spiders in the Amazon. Yeah. Let's let's watch the main movie of the year. Yeah. That's what we want. The only good thing to come out of this is bringing a press tour. I'm telling you right now. I mean, so many good things, you know. Dakota Johnson just, like, talking shit on the film while somehow promoting it. It's great. Yeah, talking about stuff. Sydney Sweeney on Hot Ones, you know. It's just making people happy, left and right, you know. This film has given so much to the world. I mean, now <laughs> we need to give back by go watch it. <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, TV front, yeah, not a lot this week. Uh, I'm... I think I might check out the first episode of the new look, which is the Apple TV Plus uh, series about Christian Dior. That's the only big release this week uh, that I can 
see right in front of me. Uh, oh, or maybe I'll check out Dynasty, the New England Patriots, which is a documentary about the New England Patriots football team. Fantastic time to jump into that now that the football season's over for football fans. Let us know what you want to watch this week by going to explosion.com slash Twitter or jump to Discord at explosion.com slash Discord. If you want to help us out here at what you want to watch, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. Leave us five stars on anywhere you can leave five stars. Or just tell people about the show. And if you've enjoyed this episode, Thor's worth a dollar, head on over to our Kofi page at explosion.com slash support. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.